It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Thanks for joining us for this special holiday edition of Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm Nathan Hager. The U.S. stock market is closed for the 4th of July. Coming up this hour, we have a high-tech treat for you. If you've been invested in technology stocks this year, it has been quite the rewarding 2023. The Nasdaq, by far, has been the best performer of the three major indexes this year. But can the rally in tech last? We'll spend the entire hour looking at what's ahead for the sector, including the mania surrounding artificial intelligence with two of the best on Wall Street. Gene Munster, the managing partner at Deepwater Asset Management, is with us, along with Wedbush Securities senior equity analyst Dan Ives, a tech roundtable for the entire hour. Dan and Gene, it is great to have you both with us. Dan, I want to start with you because... You got a lot of traction with the note last week on the outlook for tech stocks in the second half. Tell us more about why you think the AI frenzy is more than just hype. Look, uh, and it's great to be here uh, you know, with you and Gene talking tech, because in my opinion, it's a fourth industrial revolution that's playing out in front of our eyes. We believe this is the start of a new tech bull market, and which is why we think second half of the year tech could be up you know, 15 potentially 20% in a much broader rally because of what's happening from a growth perspective. I think it's AI's tip of the iceberg. We're seeing a stabilizing IT spend environment. And I believe this is something, in our opinion, that's the only thing that's comparative is 1995 internet moment, 2007 Apple iPhone. You know, it's been a similar view that we've heard from Don Fitzpatrick, the CEO of Soros Fund Management. She spoke with us about AI last month at the Bloomberg Invest Conference in New York. Here's what Don Fitzpatrick had to say. It is clear that we're at the beginning of a mega cycle in, in spending in AI. And the real beneficiaries, obviously, are the applications, so your SaaS companies, and infrastructure. So it's it's cloud and, and your high-performing chip companies. Gene, let's bring you in on this. Is this the beginning of a tech megacycle? It is, and there's going to be some uh, ebbs and flows in terms of the stocks in the near term, but I think that it will ultimately uh, meet, exceed, will comfortably exceed all of the hype. And the hype is just intense. I mean, this uh, universal optimism around it seems hard to believe, but I think it is. there is substance behind it. I want to frame in a couple data points around that substance. At Microsoft's developers conference this year, they showed a demo of the new Windows operating system. And when I saw the demo, uh, again, it was a, it was an animated demo. It wasn't live, but an animated demo. I thought these features are probably going to be out in five years. And then they said it would be out later this year. That never happens. Usually what happens is I think something's going to take two years and it takes five years. Mm -hmm. In this case, I think it's going to take five and it's in six months. 
And then you look at NVIDIA's guide. It's uh, dated. It's back when they reported their March quarter. They guided for June. I don't know, Dan. I don't know if you've ever seen a guide like that, but um, never going from this. I think the street was looking for like 10% sequential growth. They guided to 90 or 100% sequential growth. Like that doesn't happen. And they, exactly to your look, Gene has always puts it, I think, just phenomenally. And, and it goes back to the NVIDIA guidance. I'll call it the guidance heard around the world. <laughs> okay. That is really <laughs> the start of what we're going to start to see. That's why. Nathan, when everyone says hype, and, and, and Gene, I, I know you've talked about this a bunch too, it's like it's not. In other words, this is as real of a spending trend as I've ever seen in my career. That's why I view it as really the star of a new tech bull market. But I got to ask you guys both because you mentioned this sort of having similarities to 1995. Of course, it was just a few years after 1995 that we saw the 1999 dot-com bubble burst. I mean, what's the risk, either Dan or Gene, that this huge spend that we've seen into the AI space in just the last few months ends up creating an asset bubble? Yeah, I I think what I come back to in um, 1997, 1998, uh, was a junior analyst at Piper Jaffray, and there was a company, KTEL. Most of you don't know who KTEL is. They had a record subscription, eight-track tapes, cassettes. You'd pay Vague memories of KTEL, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they announced, they put a press release out, came over the facts that said that they're going to start selling records online. Stock went from four to 40 over like a four-month period. And it was a company that didn't have any substance to it. I, I, I don't even know if they ever sold anything online. Uh, I think it was representative of hyping everywhere. And I think this is different. Yes, you, we see what's happened with NVIDIA and there is these AI stocks are up, uh, the chip stocks are up 90% this year. Yeah. Uh, but to me, it is, uh, there is, as uh, I like what you said there, Dan, the guidance heard around the world is that we weren't seeing that kind of guidance back in 2000. There was this uh, ad spend that was kind of circulating. There was, Companies going public, they were getting money, they were spending with other internet companies. And so there was a little bit of a, a misleading uh, positive sign back around 2000 that ended up just drying up. Uh, this feels like there's much more substance and it's much more narrow. It's not, KTELs aren't happening today. Look, and, and Gene, to his point, I believe the big thing here with Microsoft, we believe for every $100 of cloud spend, partners are talking about an incremental $35 or $40 of AI spend. That changes the whole paradigm of what Microsoft looks like in the next five, seven years. Speaking with Dan Ives of Wedbush Securities and Gene Munster, managing partner at Deepwater Asset Management. But to the point about how so many companies now, when you listen to earnings calls, see the earnings reports, it seems like not a day goes by that we don't hear about one company after another just even mentioning AI in their reports and it spikes the stock. What's the risk that you know we see so many companies talking about AI that they don't necessarily have the bones to back it up. Gene, let's start with you. I mean, th- there is a risk, but I would I always compare it to what happened 25 years ago. And I think that it's much more limited. Um, I think uh, I was recently at a dinner in New York. There were 20 other investors in the room and I asked how many were investing uh, 25 years ago during the internet bubble and two people's hands went up. And that got me a little <laughs> bit worried, like maybe we get a little, we get a repeat of what happened. But it, I think it is, uh, Nathan, I think that the bottom line is I think it's still 
um, limited that scope. I don't think every company is claiming they're an AI company. Not every company has had an AI bid. Yes, the NASDAQ's up 32% uh, this year. But uh, what happens when you have pandemonium is when everything's up 100% in six months. And so we just haven't seen that kind of across the board. It is uh, good to remember, like, what is the substance of it? And I think that's where you get guys like Dan out there who have seen this so many times and can kind of parse between the hype and the substance when it comes to which companies are going to benefit over the long term. So, Dan, is the substance just around NVIDIA and that uh, call heard around the world that you mentioned earlier? Or is there more substance just beyond that major AI chip maker? Oh, I think there's as much meat on the bone as I've seen of every any tech trend the last 20 years. And I could tell you the last six or eight weeks traveling the globe from Asia to Europe to US, what we've seen, this is something that ultimately we believe could be eight to 10% of budgets next year, AI. Today, it's less than 1%. And I think that's why we're spending all of our time, not just myself as a tech group, who are the second, third, fourth derivatives? That's what we're spending our time on. Where do you see some of those second, third, fourth derivatives, Gene? I think, well, I think there's a first derivative that uh, people aren't picking up on a couple of them. Uh, Google is one that uh, is not a consensus at that dinner that I mentioned, had a survey before. It. Uh, this was in uh, combination with uh, Piper Sandler. And uh, the survey that was done included, uh, which were the consensus AI stocks. And uh, Google was not on that consensus list, which surprised me. And when I asked about it, it's uh, investors are still uh, skeptical or concerned that there's going to be a dip in their ad revenue and that this basic idea that they have a lot to lose. I think they have a lot to gain potentially. I do believe that they're going to have a speed bump in their revenue as they shift to single uh, results driven by AI. But I think Google, their 20 years of data is going to create more informed search results, even with AI. And I, I think that they, even though it's, I'll consider that a, a second derivative because I think investors are largely ignoring it. I think one of the companies that's going to surprise people in the next 12 months about their AI performance is Meta. I think what they're doing is it's just pure adrenaline to advertisers to improve ad attribution. And I think it's going to uh, invite more ad spending after what has happened with some of the, the changes, the IDFA from what Apple's put in place like a year and a half ago. So I think those aren't, um, aren't I think, given uh, the proper attention. As we, at Deepwater, we invest in both uh, public and private companies. And so I can say where most of our attention is on the private side, it's looking at the chip architecture. And the basic idea is right now, NVIDIA is running away with this. And uh, they, but their chips uh, still, it's expensive to train models. Right now, OpenAI trains their models about once every three weeks. It typically takes about $5 million to do it. So uh, there needs to be new uh, technologies to enable better chip architectures to bring down the cost of training. We're going to keep up this conversation, talk a little bit more about the applications for artificial intelligence as we continue this discussion with Gene Munster of Deepwater Asset, Dan Ives of Wedbush, on this special edition of Bloomberg Daybreak with a focus on tech. It is 18 minutes past the hour. I'm Nathan Hager, and this is Bloomberg. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. 
It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to this special edition of Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm Nathan Hager. The U.S. stock market is closed for the Independence Day holiday. And we continue our focus on tech now with Dan Ives, Senior Equity Strategist at Wedbush Securities and Deepwater Asset Management Managing Partner, Gene Munster. I want to pick up on this conversation we're having, guys, about the applications for artificial intelligence beyond so much of the investment that we've been seeing just over the last few months. Someone who's really gone all in on the innovation industry is Kathy Wood of ARK Investment Management. Here's some of what she's had to say when it comes to AI. Many people think it's just hardware and software stocks widely advertised. But Tesla, many people think, is an auto stock. We don't. We think it's much more than that. But we think it's one of the biggest AI opportunities out there. I want to pick up with you, Gene, because there has been this long-running debate about whether Tesla is an auto company or a software company. But just to take the broader view, some of what we've been talking about already, is there a case for AI to change the direction of other sectors, even outside of tech? Definitely. I think Tesla's a, you know, outside of the, the typical companies that we talk about that are having an impact over the next six months, Tesla's clearly in a spot and the, the lines are are obvious where they're going to benefit in uh, the surround autonomy. Um, I've got uh, a seven-year-old, a, a five-year-old, and I have a, a bet with my wife that they'll never drive. Um, mm, yeah. And I think that autonomy is a, a piece that uh, obviously, Tesla's been more active around that. I think we're going to have a chat GPT moment around uh, autonomy that in the next year where it's really going to uh, leap forward. Humans shouldn't drive. Uh, there's more than 30,000 people in the U.S. lose their lives in car accidents. People are more distracted and uh, machines can help fix that. And I think AI is an obvious opportunity and Tesla's a beneficiary. Not to mention the toy store with Optimus Prime. Um, don't have any of that in my model, but it is uh, an opportunity uh, and just kind of, I think, a great example of things that Tesla does that no other car company would even touch. Interesting thought to bring in the Transformers, uh, the uh, Autobots, the Decepticons, or you know, this idea that uh, there's a dark side potentially to AI and the threat that it could potentially pose to society. But I want to pick up on what we're talking about in terms of of automation and this idea that artificial intelligence could 
add to this you know, key that Tesla's trying to crack here when it comes to getting cars to drive on their own. Dan, I know you've been bullish on Tesla for a long time, but this has been something that not just Tesla, but a lot of car companies have really been struggling to get right. Look, I mean, FSD, that's that's ultimate, that's the golden goose, right? I mean, for Tesla, I mean, when you think about the AI story, when, when, when you think about ultimately autonomous and as Gene's talking about and I still think there's a chance 10 years from now, Gene's kids maybe are driving a cyber truck, but you know, we'll see how that plays out. I think this is really the what they need to crack, especially when it comes to these the later beta version for Tesla. I think they're way advanced. You got them, Aurora, Waymo, and that's the holy grail. And I, I do believe the next five, six years, we're gonna get to autonomous that's much I think closer to what many think from skeptically that Tesla and others are going to get to. And that's why I think it's the biggest transformation to the auto industry you know, in the last 60 years. The idea of transformative technology, something that really gets investors excited, but it raises the question about whether this technology that we hadn't been talking about even just a few months ago is developing so quickly that it runs ahead of us. Gene? What are the risks to society from AI? Deepwater, we spend a lot of time thinking about this. And ultimately, uh, we have a view of where AI is going to impact us in the next 10 years. And I'll just start with, I think humanity is still going to be around. I don't think this uh, apocalyptic view that even Elon Musk has endorsed is uh, anything close to reality. I think that this is another wave of innovation and efficiency that's going to benefit humanity uh, from just a, a lifestyle standpoint. Um, but I, uh, you know, there will clearly be jobs lost, and I agree with consensus. It's going to be uh, kind of lower uh, or maybe more uh, customer support uh, types of jobs. They go the way of being like a travel agent, essentially. Uh, those will be replaced by AI. But I think other people with high-paying jobs, I think there's still going to be a lot of developers out there uh, that will be assisting AI, and I think those are going to be great jobs. Um, I think another piece a decade from now with AI is that truth uh, will be... Uh, much more elusive. And I think mm -hmm. that that potentially could cause some civil unrest. And uh, I uh, recently was watching a, a quick uh, a video of a, a Russian soldier surrendering to a Ukrainian drone, and we were debating it on our team. And uh, the one person on our team felt that it was, uh, was uh, AI-driven and it was just a, a fake. And um, as we debated it, I recognized like there was like tension in the room. Like, is this real? Is it fake? And I think it's just a microcosm of what we're going to see in the next decade. We're not going to know what's real and what's true. I think that's a problem related to AI. Uh, I think life expectancy is going to take a jump up. Look at the curve, the life expectancy curve over the last 200 years. Took a big jump up when uh, they could uh, start to do surgery. Uh, penicillin, things like that. But uh, I think we're in another stage where life expectancy takes a leap forward. And the last piece is we talked about a minute ago. I don't think cars, I don't think people will be driving cars in 10 years. No, it but is that's kind of how I see it. It is interesting, Dan, the idea that, uh, you know, it's still uh, relatively easy to see whether a deep fake is a fake, but it's getting a lot harder really quickly. What's your concern or is there a concern for you that artificial intelligence is going to make it tougher for a lot of people to know what's real and what's not? Yeah. I mean, look, Gene brings up, I think, great points. I, I think the thing that probably worries me the most when it comes to AI is and I think regulatory, you're starting to see it both Brussels as well as the Beltway. You know, the, does tech, 
just get more and more powerful, right? I mean, the strong get stronger. If you look from the chips to the software, I mean, even though it's going to be broader, you're going to have tech just getting that much more stronger. So that's something where, what does that ultimately lead to? And then I think the bigger issue is potentially from a data perspective in terms of where AI is taken to make sure that there's guardrails in place. And I think that's something that regulators, the White House, you know, across the board, that's a worry because this is going 100 miles an hour. And the concern is regulatory is going 15 to 20 miles an hour. And how's that all going to play out? And the thing is, Congress doesn't exactly have the best track record when it comes to staying ahead of technology and putting regulations around it. But we've also heard from the likes of Sam Altman of OpenAI, the parent company of ChatGPT, calling on Congress and other regulators to put guardrails around AI. Gene, what's your view on whether regulators can get it right when it comes to keeping artificial intelligence under control? Totally agree with Dan. I think that they, we need regulators. We need Washington to step in. What's the reality of them being able to actually regulate this? Um, I think it's slim to none. I think uh, they haven't been able to regulate basic social media over the past decade. And, uh, you know, they've been talking about breaking up big tech. I don't think it's for the good of the country, but uh, that, you know, basically hasn't happened. And so I think there's going to be a lot of talk of regulation. I would even point this is Zuckerberg has talked, has asked for regulation. This is after the Cambridge Analytics debacle. I forget what year that was, five years ago, and asking mm-hmm. for more help. And uh, just it just hasn't happened. I, I love Dan's analogy there is that this is going 100 miles an hour and the regulars are going uh, 10 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour, and that makes sense. And I, I, I just think that they're not going to be able to keep up. Yeah. What about the tech sector more broadly? Could we start to see some attention beyond the prevailing narrative? Gina Martin-Adams has been weighing in on that. She is the chief equity strategist at Bloomberg Intelligence. Here's some of what she has had to say about the outlook for tech beyond AI. I think you'll see those gains broaden out to other segments of tech and some of this, these defensive trades, which I would call Apple and Microsoft and the mega cap stocks, largely defensive trades. They're the area of the of the market that investors go to hide in while nothing else is working. Things are going to start to work a little bit better later this year and into 2024. And so I would expect tech to broaden out to more constituent gains across the board. Dan, you looking for more broad gains beyond the AI story? I mean, that's exactly our thesis. I think earnings season that, that we see for 2Q, you're seeing a stabilizing IT spending environment on enterprise. I think digital advertising is starting to stabilize as well. And especially when it comes to software, I, this is really what I view as a period where, especially in areas like cybersecurity, cloud, infrastructure, big data, of course, I, AI, which is really leading a lot of this, I think street numbers, they ripped the Band-Aid off. I think a lot of these numbers, I wouldn't call it sandbag guidance, but <laughs> I think they're setting up for numbers to go higher. And in my opinion, this earnings season, I think the bears just go back into hibernation mode. Interesting. What about you, Gene? I mean, the valuations have been eye-popping this year. Can this kind of momentum continue? I mean, I, I, there's a saying that, that I have here, I want my cake and ice cream too. And um, <laughs> I, 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 I think that, uh, I, I think there's going to be a pullback, uh, but I also want to be 
uh, very clear. I'm uh, on board with this is going to be a great tech rally over the next year. So my general sense is that uh, we've had some optimism uh, around the market more broadly. I think that uh, what the Fed's doing, there's been some optimism. I just think that this earnings period, there's going to be a natural uh, cooling off, but that's getting cute. And I think uh, ultimately, you fast forward a year from now, I think that these uh, are going higher. I can say that we've been uh, cautious with one of our funds and uh, we've been just deploying uh, cash over the last month and we'll continue to do that through the summer, even though we think there's going to be some pullbacks. So, but uh, I think that nuance kind of misses the point. I agree with Dan that this is setting up to be uh, just a wonderful year uh, in tech. And uh, as Dan said at the top, like th these these waves come around. There's there's a wave every 10 years in tech. There's a paradigm shift every 20, 30 years. And we're in a paradigm shift phase and that can boost things. I mean, that that, that powered 15 years of tech performance. So I think uh, my nuance about this uh, June quarter and what it's going to do these tech stocks is beside the point. I think that a year from now, things are going to be higher. Think he's been a little bit too nuanced, Dan? Not at all. Look, I think the way Gene has always thought about tech stocks, I, I've just always been so impressed by because he's able to see the forest through the trees, whether it's Apple, whether it's Mether, whether it's others. And I think we are in one of those moments. We are in this fourth industrial revolution. That's why investors will fret about a quarter or two. They'll be cautious like they have this year. But I really believe tech starts to inflect higher second half of the year, despite this poker game between the market and the Fed and you know everyone watching the 10-year, I think that you need to be macro-aware, micro-obsessed. I love it. I, I, you know, we were talking about performance, Nathan. I got to ask a question here, Nathan. Is sure. that okay? Can I Do jump it. in? And I got to say, when uh, I was so excited to join Dan here, I got so much respect for this man and what, what he's done for tech investors over the last 20 years. And I haven't had a chance to talk to him about Vision Pro. And uh, uh, I would love your Pro, take right. on Vi Apple's Vision Pro. Yep, Apple's Vision Pro. Well, look, my view on Vision Pro, it's, it's just the start of what I view as a broader ecosystem that Apple's going to build, which we believe over the next 12, 18 months. It's going to be its own form factor and eventually an AI app store that Apple is going to own. So I view Vision Pro as 3,500. The average investor views it as obviously pricey. It's not about 150,000 units moving the needle because Gene knew it's better than anyone probably in the world. Two years from now, we believe that's 1,500 hours, 1,700. You'll start to see that demand continue to increase. But I believe the golden goose why Apple is playing chess and others are playing checkers. This is the start of WeView as an AI app store for Apple. Can I throw a little cold water on this? Because their price point on Vision Pro was so huge when they first announced it. And it plays into this whole idea of augmented reality, the metaverse that got so much attention last year. Other than Vision Pro, hasn't gotten much talk now that there's been so much focus on AI. Gene, is there still room for augmented reality, the metaverse in the tech story? Glad to hear Dan's take on it. Uh, my, my view is that investors are grossly underestimating what uh, Vision Pro and the future products around this family can do for Apple. And it's 
that is investors are just looking at what has happened over the past five years related to augmented reality and virtual reality and the disappointments. And I think that uh, this, this device is spatial computing. It's different. And I think there is an opportunity for Apple to uh, create a device that we spend one to three hours a day in, and that can be 10 plus percent of their overall revenue. I think most investors think this is going to be 5% of revenue. I think it can be more. If I was going to uh, say where I could be wrong, I think that it could be much bigger. It could be 20%. I mean, it's, I think this is uh, one of those uh, devices that people won't fully appreciate until they've used it. And I think developers are going to get on board. I don't think it's great for humanity. I think, because uh, it's just such an immersive environment even though you see the outside world, it's still immersive, but Apple's gonna build what I think is gonna be a big business around Vision Pro and investors are gonna get surprised in the next few years. It's gonna take a few years, but I think it's gonna happen. You know, another mega cap stock we haven't talked much about is Amazon. Of course, they spent so much during the pandemic, they've been trying to get past that. Dan, what's your view on Amazon? Obviously one of the biggest mega cap tech names out there. I, look, I think the biggest thing missing right now, and from an investor conversations, and I'm sure Gene's had a ton as well, they are behind when it comes to AI. I mean, if you look what Google and Korean have done, are clearly Nadella and Redmond at the top of the mountain. I think for Amazon, it's really jazzy coming up with a defined AI strategy. I think cloud is ultimately going to be key from some of the parts to, to this stock moving higher. I had e-commerce, you know, obviously the, the comms have gotten tougher and, and, and they'll lap those. But this is really what I view from some of the parts about that cloud story, monetizing in AI. Because right now, Nadella, he's starting to flex the muscles in, in Redmond. They're gaining more and more share. You're seeing it from Google as well. For the first time, they got a, they essentially have a cage match going on when it comes to cloud. Another cage match besides Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, maybe. Is uh, Amazon uh, getting a little bit too far ahead in terms of where it is in the cloud and maybe not paying as much attention to some of that competition, Gene? Yeah, I think there's probably some like natural benefits. Uh, their cloud business has been under so much pressure. If it just stabilizes, I think investors will view that as a, a positive. I'm, I'm not talking about the fundamentals. I'm talking about the stock here. Uh, they probably will get a bump with uh, some of this AI spend and some of this AI infrastructure on their cloud business. Uh, Amazon's going to go through a transition. This is the fundamental piece over the next five years. And it really is, uh, they're becoming more of a, a service provider to uh, their own retail business and to other retailers. And they've talked more about, um, you know, kind of having opportunities for their fleet to power uh, traditional brick and mortar for two-hour delivery and uh, you know, AWS is an example fulfilled by Amazon. I think that we're going to see this infrastructure kind of become uh, a bigger part of the story. Very similar to how Apple as a products company and then uh, the services became a bigger part. I think uh, infrastructure is going to be a part of Amazon's story over the next decade. Gene Munster of Deepwater Asset Management, Dan Ives at Wedbush Securities. Stay with us. We're going to take a last look at some of your best and worst tech stock picks for the rest of 2023 as the special high-tech holiday edition of Bloomberg Daybreak continues. It's 50 minutes past the hour. I'm Nathan Hager, and this is Bloomberg. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work 
passion and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the special high-tech edition of Bloomberg Daybreak for the 4th of July holiday. I'm Nathan Hager. The U.S. stock market is closed for Independence Day. And we are back with Dan Ives of Wedbush Securities, the senior equity analyst there. Gene Munster, managing partner at Deepwater Asset Management, is with us as well. We want to close this out, guys. A little bit of a lightning round. Some of the best and worst performing tech stocks that you're looking at through the rest of 2023. Gene, let's start with you. What do you think are going to be a couple of the standouts and maybe a couple of the lags? this year on the standout side is google still not getting the uh, uh credit what they've done in ai I remember in 2017 they said they're an ai first company they have some of the smartest people on it yes there's going to be some sort of a bump in the road related to their revenue but i think we haven't even seen the beginning of what they're going to do in ai so i'd put google at the top and then i would uh, put uh, just kind of a, a surprise uh, uh I, th- I put apple in there i think vision pro is one that is going to surprise investors over the next few years. And the third one, a much smaller one, is Zillow. Uh, so mm. Zillow is a, uh, it's a $12 billion market cap. The Zestimate is busted. The, commer- <laughs> the residential real estate market is massive, and they can use AI to uh, finally fix the, the Zestimate. I think that's going to benefit Zillow. And on the, the ones that we're a little bit more cautious on, we're investors in, uh, in Uber. So... Uh, we're negative on Lyft. They've obviously had some problems. Don't want to pile on that, but I'd put Lyft in that category. Uh, Dan, I heard uh, Gene mention Apple there. Know how you feel about Apple? Is that on top of your list as well? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I view that as a it's a table pounder. I mean, in my opinion, it's a, we see that going to a four trillion dollar mark cap by two thousand twenty five. Some of the parts services we think that's worth one point three trillion. Apple and Microsoft, to me, are the table pounders here, along with Tesla, because of the growth themes that are going on. For cloud, Microsoft and Adela continues to be the core cloud and AI name. The names right now, if you looked up disaster in the dictionary, you'd see the tickers Lyft and Snap. Those Mm. are names under no circumstance would I... Uh, focus on despite maybe you know the, the stocks that have obviously sold off significantly. 
Yeah, interesting to hear Snap in that category, given some of the continued difficulty we're seeing in the ad space as well. Just to take a little bit of a broader view here, we came into 2023 thinking that tech was going to have it tough. Obviously, that has not panned out in a big way. Gene, why do you think the downbeat view on tech that began this year didn't fail to materialize or did fail to materialize? I think two things happened. One is uh, ChatGPT, fastest growing product ever. They've got a billion users after six months. Nothing's even come close to that. Uh, And I think that's reminded investors that innovation is alive and well with owning tech. And second is the investors saw that the rates are going to slow. The hikes are going to slow. doesn't matter if they go down. They just need to slow and stop. And I think that was the, the hammer that was down on these tech stocks. And as soon as investors started to get comfort that, they weren't going to go up in infinity. The stock started to go higher. And obviously, Dan, you've been bullish on tech for so long here. You've followed the sector for so many years. What is the biggest risk to your bull view on tech stocks as we look ahead to the rest of 2023? I think it's more just geopolitical. You know, I think the China situation in terms of just what we see there from a supply chain and you know any sort of you know, I think more noise between uh, D.C. and Beijing, although that's softening. I, I Look, I think the Fed's waved the white flag despite all the tough talk, this poker game that they're essentially done eighth, ninth inning. In my view, it is a green light to own tech, and I believe we're at the start of, of what's the next bull market in tech. We'll leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us for the full hour here. Gene Munster, Managing Partner at Deepwater Asset Management and Wedbush Securities Senior Equity Analyst Dan Ives giving us the view on tech stocks as we head into the rest of this 2023. And a special thanks to you as well for being with us on this special edition of Bloomberg Daybreak. Hope you enjoy the 4th of July holiday and stay with us. Today's top stories and global business headlines are coming up right now. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.